you just want to meet the consumer where they are, make it as frictionless as possible for them to purchase. Have you ever wondered, how do you grow a conscious e-commerce brand online while also making a profit? Yeah, me too. After watching my family members suffer through cancer and heart disease using products by companies that care more about profits than their customers, there must be a better way, right? That's when I discovered an emerging wave of successful, purpose-driven businesses, and I knew I needed to be a part of it. So join me as we dive into the stories behind the most inspiring brands in the world and discover the secrets on how they successfully win over the vote of their customers' wallets and grow their business online. My name is Vincent Tandiono and welcome to the Conscious E-Commerce Leaders Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Conscious E-Commerce Leaders Podcast. I'm so happy to be joined here with Emily Griffith. She's the founder of Lil Bucks. Lil Bucks is best known for being America's buckwheat brand. They have been featured in the press many, many times. I was on their website and there's countless of them. They've been featured in uh, Bon Appetit, uh, Forbes, New York Times, and many, many, many more. And Lil Bucks is available in 51 Whole Foods and 150 other health and grocery stores. And from 2019 to 2020, they have more than quadrupled their revenue. And recently, they have also raised over 155000 on Republic. And they have also recently celebrated uh, th- their third birthday. So congratulations, <laughs> Emily, and welcome to the show. Thank you. Such a nice intro. We had a fun time celebrating yesterday. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. Of course, uh, I I mean, by the time of this recording, it is yesterday. But when this episode is released, probably uh, a few weeks away. Uh, but yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> uh, tell me a little bit about your background, Emily. Like, I know that you were into design and marketing, working freelance, but also like traveling around the world. So, what was it that made you want to start a superfood brand? Yeah, so I was working for marketing agencies. I worked for a digital marketing agency first in Chicago and then in Sydney, Australia. Um, So I was living there when I had my life-changing acai bowl where they used sprouted buckwheat seeds on the bowl instead of granola. And I love the texture of it. It has like a really addictive crunch. Um, It was just a really innovative way of using buckwheat that um, I'd never experienced before. So there's the crunch, super healthy. And I just became obsessed with these super seeds and how the Aussies were using them. And when I realized, yeah, no, um, there was no companies in America making products out of sprouted buckwheat seeds. I was like, oh, well, this is a no brainer. I'm a graphic designer. I have digital marketing experience. I'll just, you know, whip up a cool brand and start selling it online and like how hard could it be but then of course as I got into it and learned you know the dream just kept getting bigger on how big this could be and I could I could see it in every pantry across America and beyond so yeah I I mean I can definitely see your design and marketing experience help (laughs) yes what are some of the challenges that you came across like when you were starting the brand Well, first was, I mean, I didn't know anything about actually the operational side of running a food business. Um, And I was new to the industry. So once you get in the industry, everyone's so helpful and 
shares knowledge, but there's a lot of tribal knowledge to learn uh, a lot. And so first I think it's just like the learning curve of just learning the industry and the ins and outs. And I'm not where I, where I am really creative and have visual expertise and digital marketing. And I really get how to connect with people and what's going to drive them to purchase. That's really great. But oh my gosh, I'm horrible at operations and logistics. My brain does it's just not linear. And so just processing what needs to happen in the background was really challenging for me. So big learning curve there. And to start, I was making the products myself in a commercial kitchen. So time was a big constraint too, because we bootstrapped the business and by we, it was me. Um, so I was doing digital marketing, consulting full-time. At one point, I had 23 clients. So I was making a lot of money, but I was just putting most of that after paying rent back into Willbox. So I'm obviously working, you know, like 65 hours a week on marketing to bootstrap the business and then making the products like from like 10, sometimes I was getting the, just getting to the kitchen at like 10.30 at night um, to make the products and then sell them on the weekends at farmer's markets fitness festivals in Chicago where we started. And yeah, I got burnt out pretty quickly after like a year because I just totally wiped myself out. So then I had to kind of take a step back and get more organized and work smarter and not harder. Still working hard, but not too hard. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, I can imagine like juggling to, to a full-time uh, job in the marketing and like running, starting up a new business, that's definitely very challenging. And so, oh my gosh, when was it that you decided that that little box is something that has potential and you're gonna go all in on it? Yeah, so there was never really a point where I didn't think it would have potential. I always thought that once I started this and realized it wasn't a thing in the US, and I mean, I'm like, I eat these seeds even before now, we have flavors like different flavors of the little buck seeds and we have clusters and we plan to come out with other product lines, but even just the seeds themselves, like I personally, when I was living in Australia, was eating this on every meal, like oatmeal smoothies on my salad, on my avocado mm-hmm. toast. Like you put on your dessert, you put on your ice creams. There's so many uses for this. So I never had a doubt that this could be in every pantry across America. I had no idea how, you know, the middle step to get there. Um, but after about a year and a half, we got the okay from Whole Foods Midwest region. So they run 51 Whole Foods stores and they go through a pretty strict category review process. So it's it takes a few months to present. And then like five months later, they told us we were getting in. And that's where I was like, okay, we finally got our break. That I knew would happen. I didn't know when, but I was like, okay, we're getting the Whole Foods. Now this is the big leagues. This has potential so I raised a small friends and family around December 2019 and started uh, kicking, you know, weaning off my freelance clients in January of 2020. I, I said I was stopping freelance full stop, but of course there were some, you know, clients that were still like, please do this for me, like one more thing. <laughs> and then the pandemic hit, so that was wild. So I spent my first full-time year mostly remote. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, that comes to the next point that I want to, that I've always curious about. Like, what is what you found is the difference? Like, 
from the perspective of a CPG or uh, consumer packaged goods, like when you're selling in retail stores, like in Whole Foods, uh, versus selling direct to consumer, whether it's on your own website or Amazon, what would you say is like the the pluses and the minus? Uh, the pluses on e-commerce, of course, is that you're owning the. Re- I mean, Amazon, to an extent, you're not owning the relationship with the consumer as much, but um, you have that more direct experience. And I think with a product like ours, where there is a lot of education involved, showing recipes, showing how it's used, all these health benefits, there's a lot of information that people aren't familiar with. So marketing funnels and content funnels, this is perfect for digital marketing. And also, I mean, we've seen a lot of ketogenic brands do really well online because it's that specialized, you know, specialty food group where they're looking for really particular items that meet their needs. And actually the one thing that Buckwheat is not is ketogenic, but it's paleo, grain-free, low FODMAP, all these things. So grain-free, so (laughs) gluten-free, it meets a lot of these. So it's really great for online in that perspective. Uh, I'm a big food brand that I see this being like in across America at the end of the day, people are still shopping in grocery stores. Like it's still in 2020 e-commerce really blew up and people are now more used to going to your random food brand website to buy from them directly. Uh, It's a lot more common, which we experienced in our e-commerce sales growth as well. But still like we all, I don't know. I don't know anyone that doesn't still shop at a grocery store or at least a convenience store. Um, so it's something we have to do and it's great to, you just want to meet the consumer where they are, make it as frictionless as possible for them to purchase. But the, yeah, the marketing involved in retail is expensive and very different. I think there's crossover with, you know, what's going to work on digital marketing and e-commerce versus retail. There's crossover and of course, press, uh, influencers, events, sampling at maybe yoga. We did before the pandemic, we did a lot of sampling at yoga studios and stuff like that. Um, and that helps both online and sales because it's just brand awareness activities. But yeah, with retail, we're learning, you know, merchandising, promotions, making sure everything's in stock. Like it's, it's a beast. So I'm learning a lot about that. And we're actually just hired someone thanks to some of the funds from our Republic campaign that's coming on as a retail marketing manager. So, cause I think that's obviously one area that, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I was like, I'm marketing. So I won't need to hire for marketing forever, but digital marketing and retail marketing are very different. And there's that crossover of course, but retail is, another universe so yeah <laughs> i'm yeah. glad to bring on some expertise <laughs> <laughs> yeah i can see that I, my i'm also into digital marketing so the yeah. whole world of retail marketing is totally foreign to me that's why i was kind of curious to see what you were uh, what your experiences were so when it, it comes to uh, go ahead. yeah it's just a lot of learning every day i'm like wow that's wild <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, when it comes to digital marketing, what have you been? What have you found to uh, work when it comes to attracting your ideal customer? Because from what I understand, is you spend very little or even no no advertising at all, right? Correct. So we are excited to start um, advertising in the next 
three months likely. I want to get our conversion rate to a good place on our website. So we're working on testing out some different marketing funnels that work really well, which I've been really excited to do because that's my background. But of course, being the CEO and mostly a one woman show with contractors for a long time, it's just like, you know, I just didn't have time. Um, but yeah, we're gonna, so without ads, really how, what I found worked was course press. Um, we are, it's such a unique thing. So I think the more press we get, the better it just helps people understand buckwheat is here to stay. It's normal. Don't be afraid of it. Um, you know, be excited about it. Influencers really help. So we always are sending products to, especially in food. There's so many recipe creators and fitness influencers and bloggers and people just talking about and sharing every little thing they eat. So if we see that, you know, they're making smoothie bowls or salad or Buddha bowls every day, oh my gosh, they're going to love little bucks. It's kind of an easy sell. We don't, um, we've never paid influencers yet. We just send product. Um, we didn't have the budget for that and try to build organic relationships that way. So that really helped because having user-generated content kind of proves out that people really like this product. And then, yeah, the recipes and marketing funnels showing the uses, beautiful photography and just making it, you know, look like to the consumer, oh my gosh, this is an easy add to my life. Like I eat oatmeal in the morning. I can just pour this on. Cool. Um, so the content's been really big for us. So between that social and email marketing, doing a lot of recipe content like that has been really big for us. So when it comes to email marketing, is you're capturing those people that are coming in from the press and influencer, you're capturing them and then you're uh, ed- continuing the content and education. Is that how you do it? Yeah. So fortunately, ever since I started the business, I knew emails were gold as a digital marketer everybody wants the email address because you own that's where you really own the relationship with them and you can reach them directly and obviously the engagement rates a lot higher than social and you know instagram and facebook are always changing their algorithms so it's hard to reach your followers um so i always knew every time you know even at our first launch day we always had an email list but we've been we actually have way more emails than Instagram followers, for example. And I love that. Um, so yeah, we try to capture them in any way possible and put them into specific automated marketing funnels, depending on how we captured them, like from a, you know, fitness or yoga sampling event or market versus our online, um, depending on how they subscribe there. Or even sometimes we'll do giveaways where, they have to sign up their email. So that's, you know, a tougher one to get those emails to convert. So there's specific marketing funnels we put them through, but I'm all about nurturing through really good email automations and good copywriting. I think the power of the pen, although it's now in typing. um, I mean, I've truly found, we do this newsletter called the weekly crunch and there's some, uh, customers that now we just celebrated our third birthday that have been following along the whole time and they like write in and they love hearing from us and love hearing the stories so we want to keep that up and keep it real with our peeps 
Yeah, I, I love it. Um, I definitely totally agree with you that email marketing is, um, that's where uh, you hold your, your assets, right? And you nurture that relationship. But I actually found exactly. that many um, e-commerce friends, they, they are just so focused on their, their front end, like just getting the ads to work and they totally neglect uh, emails, which is kind of uh, puzzling to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, and even like one time we spent... And this was just because I, again, I was busy, like as a digital marketer, I like kind of knew in the back of my head, we weren't doing it right. And we did like last July, we did an Instagram campaign and we have pretty content. Like it's, but you, it's gotta be more than pretty content. Like everything's beautiful now. Um, There's so many great content creators. So, you know, you need more than that to stand out on Instagram because even if they're clicking on it, you need really, really good converting marketing funnels and you want a high conversion rate. Otherwise, what's the point of blowing all this money on Instagram. And I just like turned on an ad campaign. I was like, well, let's just like try it. And, you know, didn't really test the images and the marketing funnels and, and wasn't make focused on the conversion rate. And so it was kind of pointless. Like, yes, and we got more views and all of that more Instagram, but like, that's, not what's going to work for business. Right. So I was like, before we ever do that again, we need to make sure all is well in the back end, and that, you know, once people are on the site, we want high conversion rate as possible before we're like paying for more people to come. Yeah. Is there any uh, specific things that you're doing like to increase that conversion rates? Yeah. So one thing is, um, I mean, we're working on reorganizing how our shop is set up on the website. So just making the website a lot more shoppable because it is very pretty and has a lot of information. We have a lot of really good content, great recipes. So it's good. Um, but it could be better in just term in terms of this is a tool to get people to feel like they need to have this in their cart and make it easy as possible to buy. Uh, so we're reworking the layout and testing a few things on the shopping just page. It's not, you know, it's fine for a small business, but it's not, you know, your ultimate like e-com optimized shopping website. Um, so definitely some testing there. And then what I used to do for work was more conversion rate optimization. So then once we have the big, like we need to do some overhaul, not on the branding and all that of the website, but just the shopping functionality. So once we get that in a better place and hopefully the next couple of weeks, we'll do more AB testing on, does it make sense to have this messaging first or this, or these colors or this? Um, I think for, at first we need to test more of the marketing funnel and what's working to get people to that shop or to buy button. And then we could do more of those like easy AB tests. Like, okay, does this, phrase work better or this or does the orange button button work better and like stuff like that we can start doing um but we just have a goal conversion rate we want to get to and then when we reach that we'll start our advertising again because i just want it to have the highest chance of success this time yeah that's an excellent plan yeah so i know that you've also uh raised that hundred fifty five thousand. so where do you see um, little box in, let's say in the next 12 to 24 months. Yeah. So we're working on, um, 
we have some revenue goals we want to hit before a series A round with low bucks. So with that, there's, we're trying to keep it uh, at least 35, if not 40% e-commerce. So really, so we're actually starting Amazon ads in the next month. So, cause that, of course, Amazon, you're, you're there, the shop. So we're doing some, a little bit more optimizing there and we're going to do some aggressive advertising there and, um, trying to blow up an e-commerce and really become a brand that people are used to buying online. And then in retail, the first part of this year, we've been really focused on expanding in the Midwest and California. So we're launching into a lot more stores in California in the next couple months. And then in the last quarter of the year, we're hoping and beyond. And then next year go national into some chains, which it will be really Really big. <laughs> yeah, that's exciting. Uh, exciting vision that you have. And I'm just curious, like, what are some of the challenges that you uh, potentially will face that you see uh, you will face when as you're expanding? Uh, the reason I ask this is because some of our listeners they may be in the same situation and they will uh, get some value out of hearing how you plan to overcome them. Definitely, I think one of the big challenges that I'm seeing is now that we're growing a lot faster. Um, we're doing a lot higher volume. So even when we grow like five or 10% month over month, that means that has a lot of bigger implications in our production. So that's something I've been thinking a lot about is making sure we have the right amount of working capital just to make the products um, and make sure we're in a good cycle of scaling up our volumes and production at the same time with um our demand in both retail and e-commerce. So, and and that's something I think a lot about, especially because I don't have experience starting and growing a food brand before and also in operations. So fortunately we do have a advisor with that experience that I lean on, but it's just something that evolves so quickly. So um, we're getting ready to do a fully regenerative buckwheat run which is exciting. So it's hard to predict exactly how much fuck we will need, but we want to have, have more than less. So that's a really interesting, you know, exciting problem to have, I guess. And then also just now I'm finally bringing on a team and transitioning into being more of a leader. Um, obviously I've been a leader for the brand and like the trailblazer, but you know, it's so startup and founder, like doing everything myself from, you know, sweeping the floors and, sending out boxes of things to making these huge strategic decisions and raising the campaign on Republic and all that. So um, I've hired a couple of really great people. So excited to get rolling with them. And, but yeah, I think it's just making sure that I'm able to activate them and, you know, empower them to do their best work and, you know, continue to build out the team where we see needed. So another thing that I'm looking at is like, do we need someone in operations? And that's almost harder for me to hire for because I don't have the, you know, it's harder for me to recognize a really good ops person versus it's easy for me to recognize a really good marketing person because I know marketing. So that's kind of the, the next chapter from going from creating the thing to growing the thing. There's kind of a shift that I have to make because so for so long, it was just proving that we deserve the seat at the table and that fuck beat was a thing and low bucks do taste good. And like, people are going to love them. And now people do love them and we've made it to a certain level where I think we've legitimized that we're here to 
we're here to play and that we're going to be around, but now it's just making sure we do it right and keep writing, you know, riding the wave and growing in a good way. So it's an interesting time. And the Republic campaign was a lot to thank for helping us make that transition. So I'm really grateful that went well. Yeah, I'm super excited to see where you're going to take this brand. I think there's a lot of potential here. So uh, as we wrap this up, uh, I'd like to ask this one uh, question is, what is the best advice that you have ever received? This is a funny phrase to be my best advice, but I think, especially in entrepreneurship, when you're starting your own business, um, you're learning so many lessons there's so many setbacks and it can be so hard. And everyone I know has had at least one very low point. Um, and there was a point in the pandemic where things were really challenging. A lot of store launches got canceled. Fundraising was nearly impossible. Let us to the Republic campaign. So it all worked out really well um, in the end. Not that it's the end, but at least for now, um, but yeah, there was a part was just like every day, like, oh my gosh, this is so hard. And my boyfriend, Beyonce, I guess, but he, um, he at one point was just like, you know, you believe in this, you know, it's going to make it. So all you have to do is not quit, <laughs> which is easier said than done, of course. But I was like, you're right. Like I just have to keep going and I'm going to figure it out. If you believe in it and you know, you see that end vision, the road in between, you don't know what it's going to look like and it's probably going to suck and have a lot of, you're not, you're going to have no idea how to, you're going to get past that, but you just have to not quit and <laughs> you'll figure it out. <laughs> Very true. I totally agree with that. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything else that you'd like to share that uh, I didn't ask? It can be uh, about anything, whether it's business, health related or anything really. I did learn definitely as well. This wasn't really advice, but just something I learned was you can definitely, and I think that everyone who starts a business will go through doing like 80 hour weeks and just being a psycho working on all at all hours. First thing when you wake up, you open your laptop, you fall asleep by your laptop. I don't know, like just kind of part of going, but in order to keep growing, allow your brain to think creatively and strategically which is what you need to succeed um you need to treat yourself well and take conscious breaks i try to take a full day on the weekend at least one day um lately it's been two like a full weekend there's a reason exists you need that charge and do better work and ever since i've done that the business has grown a lot more because I can actually think with a clear mind and be like, identify problems or where I'm working harder and not smarter. So I think taking care of myself and taking conscious breaks was really important. Uh, I love the advice because, I mean, we have to take care of our own, own health and we can uh, perform better, right? So Exactly. Yeah, so one last thing, uh, Emily, is if people want to uh, buy a little box or they want to check it out, uh, how do they do that? Yeah, I think, um, you know, obviously lovelilbucks.com is our website and there's a lot of recipes and all our products are on there. And then Amazon as well. 
Amazon Prime, super easy. And then if you're in the Midwest or California, uh, you'll be able to find us in stores and hopefully um, more to come. Yeah, awesome, Emily. It was a pleasure having you on the show and chatting with you. Yes, thank you so much. This was fun to chat and always especially fun to talk about digital marketing. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, all right. Thanks, Emily. Thank you.